Dear future, I'm ready to generate quantum social change. It's not a like it's not just blah blah blah, but it's like wow, how do I do that? How do I get out of my own way? How do I have the biggest impact? Um, recognizing that we're living in the decade that matters, and that we actually don't have, you know, like this isn't a rehearsal for anything. And to me, that commitment, dear future, I'm ready to generate quantum social change,、um, puts a lot of responsibility on me to、um, actually like walk the talk and be the be the talk. This is Dear Future. I'm ready. A podcast brought to you from Amsterdam by Digital Society School and Transformational Studio. Your hosts for today are Carola Vashore and Marco Van Hout. Hello and welcome to a new episode. While you listen, probably on the go, you don't have to worry about taking notes. We've got that all covered. So when you visit our podcast page on digitalsocietyschool.org, you will find a full transcript, links, and more information for your own reference and to refer the inspirational content to your friends and colleagues. So today we will be talking to Karen O'Brien, who is a professor of human geography at the University of Oslo in Norway, and a co-founder of Sea Change, a company committed to engaging people with equitable, ethical, and sustainable transformations in the changing climate. Her goal is to contribute to a quantum leap to an equitable world where all life can thrive. She has been thinking and writing about climate change for over 30 years, and now, in 2021, Karen was co-recipient of the prestigious BBVA Foundation's Frontiers of Knowledge Award for her contribution to climate change science. Together with Robin Lychenko, she has written *Climate and Society: Transforming the Future*. Her newest book, *You Matter More Than You Think*, is just out, so be sure to look it up. Welcome to the show, Karen. Hi, thanks. It's really nice to be here today. It's so lovely to have you with us. We're really excited about this conversation. We love your work, and we've been、uh, super triggered by your Medium article about you matter more than you think. We hope we'll be able to unpack that a lot more today on this podcast, a podcast about transformation, which really describes the incredible, complex moment that we are living in、uh, right now.、Um, and we're going to talk to you about what matters, what is equitable, and what is sustainable. Hopefully, finding a way to understand how to go about continuing to live our lives, continuing to thrive, continuing to ask questions in a place that is collapsing all around us, where we need new ways of working, new ways of living, new ways of doing,、um, with a climate that is in crisis, with a lot of discussions about it, and with a big need to focus on how to,、uh, on action, on moving forward. So. How do you look at the world as it is today, and how do you look at transformation in that context? It's a great question because we really are being challenged on all fronts today, and I think most people are aware of、um, of the immense, enormous transformations that are taking place right now, but also of the need for transformations in a very different direction to、um, to contribute to a world where everybody can thrive.、Um, And and I think that it's very easy right now to start to think, oh, which you know, which problem do we prioritize? What do we do next? And from my perspective, it's really one big problem, and I think it's a relationship problem. It's about how we relate to ourselves, to each other, to nature, and also to the future. And that once we start to really kind of broaden and deepen the scope of you know of of what we're dealing with, we'll start to address、um, many problems at once. And、um, in a way that is actually generative, rather than、um, reproducing what already、um, has gotten us into the problem. 
Right. And and if you would have to define transformation, we know that you talk about the three spheres of transformation. Can you explain a little bit what that means and what it refers to? Yeah, when I think of transformation, I think about significant changes in um, form, structure or meaning making, which really relates to um, what we call these three spheres, the practical, the political and the personal spheres. And, um, and these three spheres aren't separate. They're always simultaneously and interacting with each other. And when we enter from the personal sphere and really look at transformation in what Monica Sharma describes as the unleashing of human potential to commit care and affect change for a better life, we start to see that, you know, how we engage with systems and structures and cultures and the type of results that we produce actually can be very transformative. So I think that when we start to look from uh, like that, more of like thinking of the three spheres as a, um, as a fractal of change to generate new patterns, we start to see that we actually um, have a much wider sphere of influence than we think. And that's so difficult, isn't it? Because in this fractal universe, there's also a big fragmentation. So what we are confronted with most of the time are the symptoms, not the actual cause of things. How do you dive deeper? How do we help people mm-hmm. um, not be blindfolded or, or not, not blindfolded? That's not the right word. Um, uh, how do we avoid the deer in the headlights um, aspect of looking at symptoms and not at causes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that the deer in the headlights metaphor is very apt right now, because I think there's a lot of people who really feel that they don't matter. There's a lot of people feel that like, oh, it's game over. There's not much little me can do um, to change these large scale systems. And I think that's where we need a shift in perspective to start to you know change our relationship to those systems. And, and the work I've been doing on quantum social change using the metaphors, the meanings and the methods of um, coming from the emerging field of quantum social science um, and, you know, inspired by um, quantum physics and entanglement and potentiality and um, the basic idea of a quantum leap is, I think it's really powerful to start to recognize that, um, you know, that we are entangled through language, through meaning, through context, through shared values that apply to everyone to the whole system and when we start to really realize that how we show up in the moment matters we start to see that we actually can have a much bigger impact on um, starting with conversations but also on you know the systems the structures and the way that we've organized society so to me that um like to almost like recognize it's, it's a little bit about just getting out of that paralysis and that very atomistic deterministic reductionist thinking and to you know to kind of say well we actually you know what we do right now here and that you know here and now does really matter yeah yeah and so if i hear you now it also really is up to us in that sense right so it's really about the people it's about us mm-hmm. as most important drivers uh, for this this kind of change um but I also read that you uh, refer to this very often as an opposite to the more technical approach to change. And can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, by technical approach, I think it really means to like that we we're looking at kind of the, you know, like the... Um, we're putting it into you know like knowledge, know-how, expertise, you know, focusing on managing better and changing people's behaviors, really making people into objects to be changed and thinking that we can just like solve this problem in a very um, technical manner. And um, and 
another way of approaching problems is to think of them as adaptive problems, which really involve mindsets and the beliefs, values, worldviews, and paradigms that we hold. And of course, there are technical dimensions and the practical sphere is really important. But it always depends on people. It depends on the um, how we've structured society, the institutions, the incentives, the, the way that we've um, organized ourselves. And I think that when we start to just focus on the technical problem, we're likely to fail um, simply because... Um, you know, we end up with so many conflicts, so many, so much pushback. And um, it's, you know, with whether it's we're talking about the Sustainable Development Goals or the Paris Agreement or many other international agreements, we're really just not, um, we're not reaching them at the rate, the scale, the speed and the depth that is needed for transformative change to really be, you know, come alive. So, so do you think that... Um we try to hide ourselves uh, in a way by just looking at the, the mere practical parts of it. Uh, is it for us like uh, a fleet to, towards the more practical, the technical, um, because we understand that? Yeah, I think that we, you know, often we, a little bit, we separate ourselves from our work, you know, it's like, this yeah, is right. what I do, but this is not who I am. And yeah. so really coming into it, you know, when I work with the three spheres, I look at it as a way of understanding change, but you can also look at it as an actionable framework for, you know, the, how I show up and the work that Monica Sharma does on a, with a conscious full spectrum, spectrum response to radical transformations, um, you know, it's really about like what values do I stand for for myself and for others and what systems and cultures need to shift and what results do I want to see? And where we're at right now in 2021 is, you know, we really need to start seeing results. We have to actually get get to the how of transformation and make it more than just this idea off in the future that we might implement in 2029, but bring it right here and right now. I think that's where um, yeah, yeah. You know, that shift in perspective comes in. It's important. I think that the, the biggest crisis that we're in is a crisis of spirit in that sense, um, because obviously there's a lot uh, of, it's been elaborated upon a lot on the topic of object versus subject, but in our, in our rational view of the world, in our need to objectify the world in order to be able to analyze it, and it's brought us a lot of knowledge, but not necessarily wisdom. Uh, we are uh, afraid of our own subjectivity. We are uh, afraid of our own uh, partiality whereas for me as a creative that's where the real uh, artistic spark lies and perhaps one of my most empowering quotes that I uh, of, often reference is it uh, comes from Frida Kahlo uh, the Mexican artist <clears throat> And she has this quote that talks about, I used to think I was alone in the world because I was strange and weird and different and bizarre uh, and imperfect. Um, and now I know that there are others like me out there. So if you're reading this, she says in that quote, I want you to know I am here and I am thinking of you. And I think that's so beautiful because when we understand that there are others seeing the same, same things we are seeing, then we come into action because we see, we feel empowered to do something to make a difference because it matters, as you well beautifully phrase, not only to ourselves, but it really matters and then it can manifest in the world. Um, if you were to translate your work into a vision, what would that be like? What would that the essence of it be? I think the essence of the vision that I have um, for now and the future is really like a world where everybody can thrive, where, where people feel comfortable um, 
really showing up as who they are. And everyone has a, a really wide circle of care where the divisions between us and others have dissolved so that so that we can actually see ourselves as, you know, like in this I-we space um, and not just other people, but other species and other generations. So I think that my vision for the future really is to embrace the, the biggest possible we that we can imagine and and take care of the we in um, in ways that are possible. And really, it, it comes down to unleashing that potential that exists um, in every moment to, um, you know, to be different and to do things different and um, to create a different world. So, yeah, if you, if you talk about differences, I'm also thinking about an article that I just read this morning uh, in The Guardian, um, where it states that actually teenagers and young adults, they uh, feel that they are a sacrificed generation at the moment. And so they have been pushed aside as a problem to deal with later. And um, can you reflect a little bit about how generations fit in, in your story and mm -hmm. perhaps in, this, in the spheres, in the levels? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, it's, often we talk about just, you know, those, you know, us and others as if they're here, but the future generations, they are here now. The children that are born today are going to be in a very different world. And like, what are what is their voice? What is their vision for the future? So we can talk about future generations in the very abstract and the, oh, let them deal with it. Mm -hmm. But they are here right now. And right. so it's very important to actually start to listen. And I know as a teacher, you know, like that, oh, we can just give them the same, you know, like the educate them in the way that we've been educated, but we can also um, really rethink, you know, transformative learning and engaged learning. And I think that, you know, that, that I think young people have, they're connecting the dots in different ways. They see they have a lot at stake right now, and um, and I, it's you know to me it's it's very inspiring to um, to see the commitment and the engagement. It's our responsibility, um, the responsibility of um, us adults or uh, you know the, the older generations to really act responsibly and to give them voice and to, in some way, cases, get out of the way so that they can generate the world that will work for. Um, for them in the future as well. Perhaps tell us a bit about the role of agency. This is something that you talk quite a bit about um, in tackling this issue. Yeah, sometimes I think, you know, we talk a lot about hope for the future, but it's not just going to happen. It's going to take um, actions and, and not just any actions, because often when we talk about agency, I mean, agency is almost what has created the problems in the first place, the human capacity to do things and affect change. And so we're talking about the Anthropocene as a geological, you know, potential geological epic where we have mm -hmm. influenced these big systems. But what I'm talking about is really a quality of agency of, you know, that is based on values that apply to all. And it's really the how we show up right now and how we act that is going to determine, um, you know, today, tomorrow, the future, um, in what we do. And when I think about agency that I go, you know, back to that idea of thinking of ourselves as fractals, you know, we are the systems, we are the collective, we are, you know, we're, it's not that we are separate from them and that little me can't make a big, you know, systems change. And so when we, when we talk about like global versus local or top down versus bottom up, we're kind of disempowering ourselves to actually be the systems changers. And when we talk about systems, you know, it could be a household system. It could be a, you know, like your 
football team. It could be a, um, your, your workplace. It could be your city. There's so many different scales. And when we start to think about how to scale change, it, it really is like how we as individuals, as groups, as organizations, as citizens, how we show up that, um, that really, you know, can create those, it can generate new patterns that replicate at all scales. And to me, that seems like a really important way of, um, of, of scaling social change. Right. And it's also so important because there are so many, because as fractals, we bring uh, part of the pieces of the puzzle and we bring the multidimensionality and multi-perspective into it, which, which is actually the, the, the only way, at least the way, the only way I know of triggering what you call quantum social change, which is not a linear geometric mm -hmm. equation of stacking things up, but it's actually about gaining momentum, creating movements, finding one another, rec recognizing one another. Um, tell us more about that. Yeah, I think of quantum social change as a conscious, nonlinear, and non-local approach to transformations, and that you know it's really grounded in our inherent oneness and. And it recognizes that we are entangled through language and meaning in these contexts, but it also recognizes the, the uniqueness of, you know, each of us and the local places. So it's not this kind of cookie cutter approach to change, but it really is like what works in this context at this time. And it, going back to the subjects and objects, it, it, it really puts people as the subjects of change in mm -hmm. their own lives and, you know, for and the lives of um, others, instead of just making people into objects that need to be changed to reduce greenhouse gas emissions or things. Because I, I think that that is almost a, um, it, it's really, nobody likes to be told to change, but when you actually activate that sense of, um, of agency on behalf of um, a a larger picture um it's, it's there's a, a lot that can happen with small changes right and how do we help to make those visible how do we turn those into beacons into lighthouses into um role models and examples of what could be Mm -hmm. I think storytelling and narratives and conversations and you know as you said with the Frida Kahlo quote you know just building these communities across space and across time to know that like wow there are other people here that are um, you know that resonate with this there are communities emerging because in many ways I mean the news we get every day is quite um, it can be devastating you know to see what's happening to the ice sheets to see what's happening to forest the people who are being displaced and things and and we often don't see the opposite end of all the you know the millions of people who are fractals of change who are shifting the conversations who are actually doing things on behalf of others so it's almost like we we need that new script right now. And, um, and I think every person is, has to be part of writing that script um, in their own context for their own, you know, what, whatever, whatever spheres of influence they're, um, they're really engaged in. And, and to me, we are collectively underestimating our capacity for social change by just reducing each person down to like, um, you know, rather insignificant. But what people find so difficult is to organize themselves around this often, especially if you talk about um, looking at the world from a global perspective, uh, crossing borders. Um, well, the, the issues cross borders, but often the people don't. And um, how do we organize ourselves in such a way that, um, you know, that we can recognize each other, that we can organize ourselves as, as being these particles, but that we do recognize each other as, mm -hmm. as the particles? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that wave particle duality is really important to recognize that, okay, well, we, you know, I am an individual, but I'm also the collective. And then who is in my collective? And how do you, you know, how do you treat like, it, it goes back to that issue of fragmentation, are our borders fragmenting us? Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it like, can we have a world that is sustainable for some, but not all? And I don't think so. I think that, um, you know, like, it's becomes very clear in, um, even like with the um, COVID pandemic and things that, that we, we actually have to address the whole. And, um, and to me that, that it's, you know, it, it really is a different way of organizing ourselves um, and not in these very rigid defined identities and things, but really on making new patterns and, and really object, like making it clear, like what matters and what's, what, what is a value to you and to others and using that as a starting point. So it's, it's really about how we show up um, to deal with these issues. And then, you know, can we respond um, in ways that are actually generative rather than just reacting in ways that are almost instinctive and, um, you know, shrinking when we should be growing. But, but does, for example, the, the distribution of the vaccines <laughs> in the world, doesn't it make you pessimistic in this sense? Uh, yeah, opposite. there's a lot of things that make you know me pessimistic <laughs> these days. But I think that the the recognition that we can do better, that there's actually that we actually have to do better. Right. Um, it, it, it brings our you know like there's so many like minds working on this, and that we know exactly you know how how we can um, you know we need healthcare systems. We need in that political sphere, we need the systems and the um, and the structures in place to actually take care of people's health, um, you know, through vaccines, but also, also through just, um, general, you know, healthcare. And now we also need you know, to include mental health and well-being. And, um, and so there's, yeah, there's a lot that we know, and it's just about doing things differently and engaging very differently with, um, with this. And again, you know, like rather than falling into the pessimism and this is the way it's got to be looking into the potentiality of, wow, there are alternatives and how do we, how do we move towards those um, other ways of showing up? What's your go-to place for inspiration? Um. I read a lot and a lot of people send me inspiring things and, you know, like Christina Pigueres from um, the, um, who negotiated the Paris agreement is mm-hmm. very inspirational. And, and as you see, there are so many stories, young people, the people I teach, you see their ideas, their actions, there, there's so much um, positive st- um, stuff going on, but it is not just as individuals. It really has to be as um, a collective. And I think to be able to recognize yourself in others and support yes. each other. And often, you know, in, we do this, um, this 30 day sea challenge, a, um, a, which is an, a 30 day change experiment that is not about just like reducing your carbon footprint, but really engaging with change and talking about it differently as an experiment. And I started doing that with my classes um, just to help them understand systems change. And it was so inspiring and like, Um, amazing to see everyone had these aha moments when they started to realize that this is, it's about more than me as an individual. It's about we, it's about, um, you know, and when I talk to my parents about why throwing out food is, is bad for the environment, or when I start to ask questions about um, organic versus, you know, organic grapes imported from halfway around the world versus local apples that are, you know, you start to get people to ask questions and asking questions is so important because then, you know, we start to, we start to look differently yeah. at change process itself. So if I hear you correctly, are you 
saying that it's more about learning together than about innovating together? Yeah, and I think learning and generating together, the, the, you know, it sounds like a buzzword, the co-creative, um, right. you know, co-creating yeah. everything. But I think it really is. And, you know, it's as much about like just listening and, and feeling into it. And I, I think that's where that quality of agency is so important because it, it's almost a, um, it's very subtle, but it is, um, you know, often we're just getting our in our own way for change. Even, you know, within, we're all aligned that we want sustainability and things, but within, cities, within like universities, within project groups, within families, you get to um, these, um, you know, disagreements on yeah. the way forward. And I think that working towards aligning in the same direction and recognizing that there's, you know, there are many solutions and we are the solutions. And to me, it's, you know, rather than looking for the solutions out there to recognize that, you know, we are the leverage points. We are, you know, we are going to be the tipping points for social change. Yeah. Yeah. We, we like to talk in our, in our business, um, of a continuum, right? A continuum that goes from a competition, collaboration, co-creation, and finally to co-inspiration, uh, where co-inspiration also relates etymologically to, uh, uh, conspiring, right? To, to being part of someone else's agenda because you believe in it as well and you want to go make a difference. And I think I'd add, based on this conversation, I'd add an extra C to that, uh, to that, uh, ladder of, uh, um, competition, uh, collaboration, co-creation, co-inspiration, and that would be compassion. Because uh, to carry on with with quoting uh, important people, uh, one of my favorite quotes belongs to um, uh, Bucky Fuller, who said, there is nothing in a caterpillar that tells it it's going to become a butterfly. And so we also have to be compassionate for those that don't uh, stop and think about where their grapes came from, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's in terms of, of how to get to the quantum change and how to get to the sort of the, 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 the contagion of uh, inspiration and let's, let's do it and let's gather this positive mm-hmm. momentum. It's really also important uh, to go with an open mind about the solutions, but also about the perhaps uh, yeah uh, naive kind uh, uh, way of looking at things uh, from by people because they haven't begun to wonder they haven't begun to imagine um, yet um, and that's why I think your work with uh, with you matter more than you think is so inspiring because you've worked with a wonderful illustrator that helped uh, also show that v- very visually as well how was that collaboration? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was wonderful. And it started like during the pandemic. She, um, Tony Burdam is a Norwegian artist and um, she lives not that far to me in the forest. Um, and I had worked with her before on, um, on different um, conferences and, and things. I was very inspired by her work. And I just asked if she could you know, make a few drawings, but she really took it in a whole different direction. You know, like it went from illustrations to artwork and then really thinking through how, artwork for every chapter, you know, relationships, how would you, relationships matter, beliefs matter, consciousness matters, um, fractals matter. And it was really, um, you know, like in dialogue, but also allowing her that freedom to, to look at nature and be inspired and see that, um, you know, that quantum, um, that perspective. Mm -hmm. And so it was really a, um, I feel like it was a, a, a very, um, 
inspiring and engaging collaboration to um, to actually see how an artist takes these mm-hmm. words. And and I've had uh, other artist groups, a group called Acting for Change, take the book and put it into a um, a, um, a performance called Bark, wow. where they're in forests around Denmark, where they were really trying to like be that quantum social change. And and so to me, the you know artists and and you really get it going back to the technical problems. It's almost like we just think our heads will get it, but we really have to like bring it to our hearts, bring out the creativity, bring out that you know the the compassion and the um, and the inspiration. For change, and I do think that that um, it can inspire us to see the solutions that are right here in front of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I love that. that. Often we just overlook. Yeah, and it's 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 also here the discussion in the Netherlands that uh, the cultural sector, the artists, were actually the the last ones to to be able to open up again here, and um, there was a lot of resentment to the government about that. Eh? So it's basically um, we underestimate how much we need artists, I would say, and their vision. Yeah, I was going to say absolutely. The and also, you know, like for within um, academia, the the humanities and the social science, like there's so much richness on that that can that can come out of um, of like taking a creative approach. Yeah. So speaking of richness, um, you mentioned that you uh, you believe in asking the right questions um, and having people, um, yeah, provoke that in each other. And uh, we also say uh, the same thing here with our podcast that we always want to generate more questions than answers. And uh, I think you are helping us to uh, to put the right questions already uh, in place. But of course, um, we also have a, a another gimmick that we do every time. Uh, we ask um, our interviewee if they want to uh, finish the sentence, Dear Future, I'm Ready, the title of our podcast. So if Karen, we ask you, uh, dear future, I'm ready. Can you complete the sentence and fill it in? Say, so, I would say, dear future, I'm ready to generate quantum social change. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very easy to just say that, but it is actually to you know how I show up. It it, it does like trigger in me that like, oh, what does that actually mean? What do I have mm-hmm. to do here? And you know, it, it's. It's not a like it's not just blah blah blah, but it's like wow, how do I do that? How do I get out of my own way? How do I have the biggest impact? Um, recognizing that we're living in the decade that matters, and right. that we actually don't have, you know, like this isn't a rehearsal for anything. And so, um, yeah, I think that to me, that commitment, dear future, I'm ready to generate quantum social change, um, puts a lot of responsibility on me to um, actually like walk the talk and be the the talk and going back to Buckminster Fuller, you know, his questions, you know, if the future of the, um, you know, the planet were up to you, how would, you know, what, what would I do? How would I be? And I think that's um, Mm -hmm. a question we all need to ask. Absolutely. And sometimes it's about being in the driver's seat and sometimes it's about participating in things that we believe in. We don't always mm-hmm. have to be the ones initiating everything, putting pressure on ourselves to perform, to deliver, to, to, uh, is, is not really where it's at. It's really about listening, tuning in, feeling, as you said, connecting to our hearts, what really matters and then doing. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nicely said. Thank you so much, Karen, for uh, being our guest today. It's been super enjoyable and very inspiring. Thank you so much. 
Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really wonderful to talk to both of you. Dear future. 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 I'm ready. This is Dear Future. I'm ready. Dear future. I'm ready. Thank you for listening to Dear Future. I'm ready. Curious about our next or previous episodes? Please find us on digitalsocietyschool.org or on your favorite podcast or music platform under Dear Future I'm Ready and subscribe today. Are you or your team interested in really getting hands-on with the practice of transformation design, sustainability by design, or diversity and inclusion? Check out our professional courses on digitalsocietyschool.org and sign up today for one of our truly transformational learning experiences. For help at an organizational level, check out Transformational Studio, a transformation design agency with the aim of revolutionizing change through design and making transformation irresistible. Check them out at transformation.studio.